Uh, it truly is um, a privilege uh, to be with you as we have been journeying uh, through Advent. Um, as I've already said, I don't know how many times I love Advent. Um, I'm, I'm all about it. And so the fact that I have the privilege to uh, lead us this Christmas Eve uh, gathering is, is seriously uh, in honor because we've been waiting weeks, y'all, to light that middle candle. All right, we've been like this has been a journey of of, of longing, uh, of of almost this angst and this agony uh, of this Christmas season of getting to that Christ candle because He's here, but there's been there's been a wait. That's why we sing songs like "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Uh, and as I was a kid, uh, and even if I were to be honest, even today it makes me a bit sleepy when I get around Christmas season because the songs are a bit slow, and I'm ready for the season two pick up, but God invites us not only in this season, but even tonight to slow down. I mean, I was at Kroger uh, this, this afternoon, and y'all, the store was absolutely nuts. And in the midst of being at Kroger, there was this, if you are at Kroger today, there's this guy with, with an accordion that was playing. And I don't even like the sound of an accordion, but it was beautiful, y'all. Like in the midst of all the busyness, in the midst of all the craze, this, morning, or this evening we celebrate a baby wrapped in swallowing cloth. The Messiah has come. But y'all, 2020 has been a year, to, to, to say the least. And so just up front, like, you, you've made it, y'all. You're here. Yeah, we can clap for that. Sure, absolutely. It's been a journey. Not only a journey of four, of four weeks, uh, but a journey of uh, what hit us um, this past spring. Of going through a global pandemic, going through fires, going through hurricanes, going through political unrest, facing racial tension in our country. We've been on lockdown. Uh, we've been isolated. We've been confused and met with constant and consistent uncertainty. But the Lord has sustained us, hasn't he? The Lord's been with us. He's upheld us. And he has carried us to this moment, to the seat in which you sit now tonight. He's with us. He's our Emmanuel. He upholds us, carries us to the moment in which we find ourselves this morning. And so we've been unpacking this theme in Isaiah chapter 9, these words, For to us a child is born. For those that need comfort this evening, for those that are weary, here is our comfort, here is our, our, our satisfaction, is that a son has been given for to us. For, for to us collectively, those that are in this room, those that are living and breathing, for those who are broken and busted, the chi child has been given to us. Jesus himself was broken, but yet busted the grave to be with us and to dwell with us. He doesn't give up on us. And this evening we celebrate that God not only gave us his very word, but he gave us the living word. Jesus himself, the son has been given. And after years upon years of waiting, today is the day that literally history was split in half to B.C. to A.D., all pointing to a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. We spell history, history, because really it's his story. And we are being invited this evening into this bigger and better story than, than 2020 can ever bring, or 2028, or 20 whatever. No matter what year we are in, God is inviting us and continuing to invite us into a bigger and better and satisfying story, a story that we were meant to live in. The Son is a gift. 
the son that has been given. And church, if we don't prepare him room in our hearts, then tomorrow morning we're going to be looking underneath the Christmas tree to fill only that which he can fill. There is no neutrality this evening. We either dismiss the king or we worship him. What is your response? So my goal this evening is, yes, to invite you into this bigger and better story, uh, but also just to, to kind of point out some things, that there's been uh, so, like two things that the Lord has pressed upon my heart for this evening. And the first one is this, is to grieve together. That we would reflect on 2020, we'd, we would grieve, but also we would behold God's glory in his goodness. When I have conversations with people, and a lot of the conversation tends to be like once this election is over, then like we're going to get back to normal. Or once the new year hits, man, things are going to be at least a little bit brighter. And there's this, this tendency to kind of rush in to things or rush into the next big thing and maybe miss out on what God has in store even now, even in this year that has been difficult. He invites us to grieve. He invites us to Lament, and we don't like that. It makes us feel a bit uncomfortable. We'd rather be busy, but if anything about Advent, it's an invitation to slow down and to be honest, to grieve, but not grieve without a hope. I'm thinking, man, I, I don't know if I like this word lament. Like in the Bible, there's an entire book called Lamentations, which is an entire book on lamenting, but in the midst of despair, in the midst of depression. Jeremiah is looking upon uh, his city, and that's where he bursts out Lamentations 3, that steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. We love this verse, y'all. We slap this on our coffee cups and our next Christian t-shirt. Like, we love Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen to that. His mercies never come into end. Yes. They are new every morning. Great is your Faithfulness. I will not sing for you tonight, but that there is a hymn called Grazer Faithfulness. It comes from Lamentations chapter 3. And Lamentations chapter 3 is in the book because of disaster. And y'all, I wonder what song God is inviting us to sing and to burst forth that we wouldn't have been able to sing if we didn't have 2020. Because in the midst of darkness, the, the, he's planting us and birthing something in us that is meant to give him glory and it's meant to bless others. We've all encountered loss this year. We're all in a, in a state of grief. We've had relational loss. We've had job loss. We've had school loss. We've had activity loss. Some of us have had financial loss. Or maybe some of us, even in this room, have even lost a loved one. Have you taken the time to allow your soul to feel the loss? Because if not, you're eventually going to pop, and what's going to come out is not going to be good. So maybe this Christmas season, we'd be honest and not just be all about the merry or all about uh, this, this cheesy happiness, pretending like our soul is disturbed. Our soul is, is, is bothered and needs some attention. And so it's okay to slow down. It's okay to lament. It's okay to grieve. So Isaiah 58, 11 says this. And the Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Like, let's just pause right there a little bit. And the Lord will guide you continually, even now in, this, in a scorched 
year, in a scorched season, in a burnt and dry and weary wasteland, the Bible says that the Lord will guide you, not just sometimes, not just a little bit, but y'all see it, continually. He will continually guide us, and he will satisfy us, and he'll make our bones strong. And, he, and he, you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. This is our hope, church, that, that, that our identity is not based upon circumstances, but our identity is rooted in the solid foundation of Christ alone and in his coming, that even in the midst of scorched places, there's refreshing waters. He satisfies, he strengthens, and he refreshes. Are you encouraged by this? Isaiah 58, we can pray and be done after that, y'all. Like that, that's, that verse right there is like, mm. Slap that on a letter jacket, high school students. Call it done. I guarantee you no one has Isaiah 58 on their letter jacket. You're welcome. <laughs> so what would it look like, church, maybe this evening, to process with your family and grieve together and be centered on this truth? I only have one point this morning, one main thought, and the main thought is this, is God is at work in the dark for his glory and our good. That God is at work in the dark for his glory and our good. If you don't believe me, just like look at the Christmas season. Look what we celebrate as Jesus came into this world, as this son was given. One of my favorite Sundays was the, uh, the Sunday we talked about joy. And we had all the teenagers, or three of our teenagers, uh, read scripture. They were about 13 to 14-year-old girls. And uh, we did that intentionally because this was the age around Mary was pregnant with <laughs> with the Messiah, with, with Jesus. And I remember we were huddled up together getting ready to, uh, to go and, and, and have, our, have our gathering. And, uh, and when one of the girls heard that, her eyes got this big because light bulbs went off. Like, whoa, you mean to tell me that a teenager carried the promised Messiah, the long-awaited rescuer? You know this teenage girl faced ridicule. I mean, you need to tell me you haven't been with anybody and all of a sudden you're pregnant and you're a teenager, that's like ultimate shame upon shame. You know Mary had to be uh, like secure in her identity, resting upon the rock. There was ridicule in the Christmas story. Uh, you got to think like Joseph and Mary traveled from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is about 85 to 90 miles, not in a car, on foot, probably with a donkey, all those miles, which would have taken like multiple of days. And then to come to find out there's no room for you, Hey, sorry, Mary. Like, uh, like all the, we're all booked up up in here. Like, you, you got to go somewhere else. I think about like so. This is really fresh for me. Uh, we had a, a, our, our late, our, our second about a month ago, and so we have a, a month old little wiggly one. And uh, I, <laughs> I asked Chloe for permission to share this story because it's just funny. Uh, we were right before she was uh, about to, her water was about to break. I came into the room. It was about eleven o'clock at night, and for whatever reason, I wanted to talk about our budget. I don't know why on this certain night. I decided to think about, hey, let's talk about our budget. New Year's happening. Got to get those numbers down on our spreadsheet. As soon as I opened up the conversation about budget, her water broke. I'm not even kidding. So if you want to like start labor, maybe throw in a budget conversation to get the process going. Her water broke. We get in the car. And I like immediately went into, if anything gets in my way, I will run them over. Nothing's getting in the way of us getting there on time. So I can't imagine for Joseph... To be in his shoes to travel not just like 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but like 85 to 90 miles on foot to be told, hey, there's no room for you. 
You kidding me? It would would have not been good for me if I was Joseph. It's met with despair. It's met with disappointment. If you even go further, you see that Herod is is killing innocent children because there's rumors about a Messiah to be born. It's awful. There's lament, and there's grief, and there's brokenness. And yet, in this baby, this innocent, wiggly, vulnerable one was to be born to die. To die, to rescue us, because God is at work in the dark for his glory and our good. Which I think is very timely that a child is going off right now. We're kind of going like this a little bit. Y'all know it wasn't a silent night when Jesus was born. Y'all know this. And there's a, in the midst of even a, a, a cry in the room. God's working for his glory. He's working for our good. I have to tell this to myself about 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm going through the same thing myself. God's working for his good. It's dark for his glory, for his glory and my, my good. This baby would conquer the grave and he would ascend on high so we could look up to him for hope and healing. Isaiah continues on, for to us a child is born. These are familiar words for us if we've been in this Advent season, the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. One of the things I thought was a gift this past year in 2020 is that the fact that two planets were about to come together, Jupiter and Saturn, I believe, and like our Facebook's being blown up, like we're talking about it on GroupMe. Like for once, there was this moment as a culture and as a society, we found comfort in looking up. To looking up at the Starkest Church, if we don't look up, if we don't get centered on the Word, if we don't get centered on the Christ child, we will be consumed with horizontal things that will devour us. But yet let us not only hold this posture with the, with the two planets, but let this be our posture as we look to our given Son, this, this wonderful Counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, and this Prince of Peace. And it says that the government shall be on His shoulders. And because all authority rests on Jesus' shoulders, we can take the weight and burden off of ours. It's on him. Isn't that comforting in this political climate that we find ourselves in? That Jesus is king. All report back to him. Proverbs 21 around verse 1 says that the, the, the king's heart is like channels of water. The Lord directs them wherever he wishes. That Jesus is on the throne. Y'all, this is comforting news. He's on the throne and he has you. What burdens are consuming you lately? Closing this year, going into a new year, what burdens do you need to lay before Jesus? Because Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What are you burdened by? What are you worn out by? Do you need wisdom? Our wonderful counselor is available. Do you need strength? Our mighty God is secure. Do you need love? Because our eternal Father loves relentlessly. Do you need peace? Our Prince of Peace fights for you. Be still. And this Prince of Peace, verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That this given son is promised to make things right. 
And y'all, this book of Isaiah was written centuries, 400 plus years before Jesus would come on the scene. And can you imagine hearing these words for the first time? That this promised one, this child is to be born and given. It, like, if I was hearing those like, live at that moment, Isaiah is reading this prophecy, I've been like, oh yeah, bring it on. It's going to happen soon. You know, like they busted out Eye of the Tiger and like started getting that, that beat going that, that, that the Messiah would be here. Rocky Balboa is about to show up and about to do some work on some people. Like this is, if this is what they're hearing, this is what they're expecting. But yet the music starts and no Rocky Balboa shows up. You don't got Rocky unless you got Rocky Balboa, you know what I'm saying? But yet there's this wait, and a wait, and a long, angst, anxious, agonizing wait. But God is at work at the dark. He's at work in the dark. He's working for his glory. He's working for our good. How do I know this? Read, open up Matthew 1. There's a whole list of names. He's working. Even amongst these, all these years, he's working. He's wooing. Fast forward to Luke chapter 2, and in the same region, there were shepherds. 400 years go by, and, and out in the field, keeping watch over their, over their flock. When? When were the shepherds out? They were out by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Put yourself in the shepherd's shoes, y'all. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. I don't know at what hour. Just imagine yourself in the country. There's no street lights. There's no electricity. They maybe have a fire going. When I read this, I, I chuckle a little bit. I can't help it because I like to scare people. I'm just going to jump out and get, and get them. I can't help but think like the angels are like, oh, yeah, it's about to, it's about to go down. We're going to get them. And they get out there, and they're in the, in the, in the wilderness, and the, this angel shows up. And then, and then the, 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 the word says that they were filled with great Fear. I mean, I'm even in, sometimes in my bed at night, and I hear something, and I start getting weirded out a little bit. And I'm in my bed, my comfortable bed. Last night with all that wind, all the noise that was happening, I was like, who's out there? Where's my gun? Like, all of a sudden, I was going to re- immediately thinking of security and, and to get myself right. But these shepherds, they ain't got none of that. They're out in, the, in this open field. The angels show up, and it was at night. Hear me, church. When it seems like God is absent. When it feels like we're left in the dark, like these shepherds, the truth is that he is all the more available, seeking to illuminate our night, not to condemn, but to commune with us. Not to condemn, but to commune with us. I mean, above all people, shepherds. Why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't God choose to go to, to the palace or, or, or to the king? He goes to shepherds. I mean, shepherds are like... They're just rascals, y'all. They're, they're known, they were known as thieves. There wasn't much respect they, that they had. They were, they were rebels. But these are the people the Lord wants, just like us. And he decides to meet them where they are in the mundane of life of tending sheep, isolated and alone in the wilderness of Israel. And he meets them. He pursues them. And he invites them into a light. And verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This good news of great joy that shall be for all people, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of race, regardless of social position or education or age or even our enemies. 
This joy is for all people who are far off because the Son is near and has given to you this day for your joy and your gladness. The Son has been given. And this joy is big. This joy is eternal. This joy is not dependent upon circumstances, but it meets us right where we are when we cling to Jesus and we trust him despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in. He's not far, church. He's not far from us. He's come close. And Luke continues to write in verse 11, for unto you. Notice in Isaiah, we rewind a little bit, it says, for unto us. Luke says, no, for unto you. Almost drops it in your lap. This gets personal. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. For unto you, those who are scared, for those who are disappointed, for those who are depressed, for those who are angry, for those who are hurting, or for those who are wounded, for unto you and unto me, good news, the Son, the Christ, the Lord, has been born this day to birth life in you. He would one day be crushed so we could be made whole. He would be wounded so that we could be healed. He took on the dark to give us light. Our rescuer, our king has come. But this king wasn't like other kings. And this king constantly interrupted people's expectations. I mean, for a king to be born amongst animals, for a king to almost slip in in the middle of the night without anybody knowing, because God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Jesus, as if you look at even in the Gospels, he's, he goes on record a lot in blowing people's expectations up. So my question to you is, what, question, what expectations do you have on Jesus this Christmas season? What expectations do you have on Jesus? Do you expect him to make you happy or holy? Do you expect to make him, or sorry, do you expect him to make you comfortable or content in him no matter the trial? Do you expect him to bow down to your agenda or rule according to the agenda of God's glory and our ultimate good? Because when we lay down our preference and we lay down our our biases and our personal preferences and expectations, and we know God's at work in the dark for his glory and our good, the result of this, when we lay this down and we surrender and we embrace this truth, is worship and it's wonder. That's why in verse verse 13 the Bible continues to write, and suddenly there was the angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts. It wasn't just enough for this angel. He's like, no, 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 y'all, we got to bring in the band from the, from the heavenly land to, to wake these people up. And this angel's before him. The, there's these the, like, almost hundreds of angels that are, that are praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. If the shepherds weren't terrified enough, God sent, God sent this, these angels to wake them up so that we ourselves, maybe who are overwhelmed with fear like the shepherds, can worship. To give us a snapshot of what is happening in the heaven. Right now there's, there's a host of angels declaring worth 
and majesty to our King. And he, we're invited this Christmas season to join with the angels in worship through any fear or doubt. To sing through the night. Because the most high God that, this, that these angels just echoed out has made himself most low to the depths of our hearts. And this is what enables us to worship and to wonder. So this Christmas season, we celebrate a God most high, but also a God who made himself most low and most available. Every other religion will teach you out there to work yourself up way up to where you can get and achieve a, a godliness or a righteousness. Christianity says, no, we're all spiritually bankrupt in need of a Messiah to come and live the life that we can never live. Obey the life that we can never obey and, and, and die the death that we deserve and bust from the grave to give us life, life now and forever. This is our hope, which we know as this baby grows up, this is what is ahead of him. And tonight we celebrate a good dad who's faithful to his promise, faithful to a Davidic covenant centuries ago to bring a son who would be the savior of the world. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as they do, maybe there's some things that were shared tonight or some things that maybe you didn't even get past the grieving part up front. There's some things in you that have maybe left to process or left to, to go before the Lord. But maybe now in this moment, we, we just have a posture of, of laying before the king whatever um, is in the way of us running after him. We see the wise men traveling from a distance. We see the, the shepherds coming from a distance. And there's this, this movement. And if we're not careful, if we lose the, the wonder of all this, we'll get distracted. And so what is in us or what is in this, this Christmas season that we just need to, to lay down and say, God, I trust you. It's hard in the dark. I'm struggling. I've got anxiety in me. I've got doubt in me. I'm restless inside. I'm hurting and I'm wounded. The comfort this morning as we serve a child who would grow up who would be wounded and who would be hurt. And would defeat sin and death be close. Our God most high has come to be low to dwell with us. Let's pray and we'll continue in song. God, we're grateful for your coming. God, we're grateful for your faithfulness that you're a good dad you sent the rescuer to come to deliver us from whatever is hanging us up tonight God I pray that we wouldn't look to the Christmas tree God I pray we'd look to that cursed tree where you bled and died for us and three days later you would rise from the grave to give us hope God if we are hopeless tonight give us hope if we don't have a heart for you, would you change our heart? If we don't have a desire for you, God, would you give us the desire? If we don't have the energy, God, would you give us the energy? Would you, if we don't have the strength this evening, would you give us the strength? You're faithful, you're available, you're most high, and you're here. So as we sing truths about you, God, I pray they would register in our hearts. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen.